You're listening to the podcast of Christ Walk Church in Fernandina Beach, Florida, where we exist to inspire people to follow Jesus every day. We hope that these messages encourage and challenge you to live for something more. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can find us online at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening. Now here's today's message. Well, good morning, Christ Walk. How's everybody doing today? So, so good to see all of you this morning. I am excited about today. As you can see, I'm playing a little bit of a different role this morning than normal, and um, that's because uh, of a number of factors, one of them being that we have an incredible special guest speaker. Um, Our guest speaker for today is, if I had a brother, I'm an only child, some of you may not have known that, but those of you who are learning that for the first time are like, oh, okay, that makes sense. (laughs) That makes, you know, I, I can see the dots connecting, the synapses firing right now. Um, But if I had a brother, it would be this guy. Um, We served on staff at Generations Church in Canton, Georgia, together for three years. And for the bulk of that time, we even shared an office. And so he um, has seen me at my best. He has seen me at my worst. And the entire time we shared an office, we got zero work done um, because we were always messing around and doing stuff we probably shouldn't have. Um, But he continues to serve there as the administrative pastor at Generations Church, and um, he's got an incredible word for us. He's going to kick off a brand new series that we're starting today on the book of Daniel called Uncompromised, and so we're going to start that this morning and be in that for at least the next four weeks together, and so as he makes his way to the stage, would you give a wonderful, warm Christ Walk welcome to Pastor Trevor Heineman. It's not the media guy's fault. It's my fault. So I apologize. Well, what's up, Christ Walk? How are we doing today? Everybody doing good? That's pretty good. That's pretty good. You're awake this morning. Man, I tell you what, you're like a bunch of other churches that I've been to. It, you got to get here real early to get the good back seat. Can I get an amen from the back? It's like, I'm, I don't smell that bad. You're so far away. Nobody wants to sit up front. You make all the poor students sit at the front. Like, we got to have a buffer. Like, put them all in the front. It's smart, though, because then you can watch them all service, right? That's why you do it as a parent. Like, put them up front. That way, on the way home, I got an amen from a mom in the back. Like, that way, on the way home, you can debrief the service and how well they behaved or not because they're sitting up front. So, no pressure up front, students. But, man, I am so honored to be here this morning, to be in this place. I'm excited. My wife, Lauren, and I, and our little girl, Lydia, we had the opportunity to come down Friday. So we've spent the week in so far with the snaps, and we've had a blast. We love it down here. We love their family. Pastor Blake already mentioned that we worked together for a number of years, and sharing an office with Pastor Blake is interesting. Um, in many different ways. Uh, he's always loud and obnoxious and laughing. And when he laughs, like it's not like quiet ever. So if anything ever happened, we'd always get in trouble because Blake couldn't be quiet enough to not get us ratted out. Um, and so that was always fun. Uh, one of the other things that made it interesting in a shared office is you kind of got to keep things like organized and stuff. And there's just Kentucky stuff everywhere. And so I'm like, I don't even know what to do. Like there's this all blue stuff everywhere. And so it was just crazy. But man, I love this family. I love Pastor Blake and Sarah and Luke and Avery. What an incredible family, right? Like just every one of them. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. I believe in giving honor where honor is due, and your pastors deserve to be honored. And so I'm so proud of them, the leadership that they have, the growth that I've seen in them, and just the way that they've come here and love this place. And when I've talked to him this weekend, and we talk on the phone every couple of weeks, every time I talk to him, he talks about how much he loves this place, and he loves you, and he prays for you. And so today, as I've met people, and they've introduced their name to me, I'm like, I've already heard your name, because Pastor Blake talks about you. And so, and he talks about you in good ways, I promise. And so he loves you, he's thankful for you, And I am so excited to see what God's continuing to do at Christ Walk. And I get to watch from afar, and it's a ton of fun to watch all that God's doing here. And I want you to know that Christ Walk right now is as small as it's ever going to be. And so I can't wait till the day that you have to have two services because both of them are packed like this one. And then you have to add a third service because they're all three packed like this one because your neighbor still needs to know Jesus, and your coworker is lost and desperate, and you're the answer. It's not Pastor Blake, it's you, and God has called you to go to your neighbors, to your coworkers, to the guy that you know because you get coffee every single morning at Starbucks, and so it's the same barista every day, and you've built a relationship, and God's going to use you to introduce them, them to him through Christ's walk, and I can't wait to see how God continues to bless this place, and I want you to know that what God's doing here is special. The growth that you're seeing, the health that you're seeing, the things that God's doing here are unique. I want you to know, like, 2020 was crazy across the world, and it was really, really hard for churches. Um, And what God's done here, even in the midst of all of that, is not common. Uh, There's more churches that closed in 2020 than started. Um, And there's more churches that their pastors had to give up because they couldn't do it than ever before. And, And it's just, we see from afar, you know, the, you know, we see what Stephen Furtick's doing and we see what Life Church out in Oklahoma's doing. We see what Church of the Highlands doing. Like we see just kind of these mega churches and they're blowing up and they're amazing. That's not the norm. Um, The norm is there's a bunch of churches right now that are hurting and are broken and are lost and, and they don't know what they're doing. And I'm just so proud of this place and of your pastors and the team that they have that this place is healthier and growing and more exciting than it's ever been. And I can't wait to see where God continues to take you. So today we're kicking off this brand new series called Uncompromised. I'm pumped to be able to do it today and to be with you. And so I'm super, super honored to stand on this stage where spiritual giants have stood before me. Um, And they've just been some incredible speakers standing on the stage, and I'm honored to stand here in their place today. Several months back, I think it was like November of 2020, I got a phone call one day, and it was a financial institution, and they were calling to notify me that they had to apologize that I didn't qualify for the loan that I was trying to take out. And I was very confused because I'm living that Dave Ramsey lifestyle, right? Like, I'm not taking out any loans. Like, I'm not about the debt. Like, if I get into any kind of loan situation, like, I think because I've gone through financial peace, like, someone from Nashville is going to drive to my house and, like, beat me up. Like, that's how I think it works. And so I'm like, I didn't do this. I don't know what you're talking about. I haven't tried tried to get a loan from you, and so I didn't know what was going on. So I called, I've got a, a, a you know, personal finance, like insurance that allows me, it's the, it, all the stuff, and so I had that, and so I called this company, and they do my ID theft insurance, and so I called them like, hey, I got this random phone call, I don't really know what's going on, and so they kind of walked me through a journey to find out that someone had my name, 
my phone number, my home address, and my social security number. And they had gone to 10 different banks to try to open up credit cards and line of credits and had been successful at several of them. And there were tens of thousands of dollars in the last 10 days that had been taken out in my name. Well, thankfully, I had ID theft insurance. I promise this isn't a commercial, but if you don't have it, it's really worth every penny that I pay because they walked me through and we took care of all of it and it was incredible to work with them to do so. But when I had that happen, I felt really vulnerable. I felt really exposed, like someone's got my information and is walking in the banks saying that they are me. I didn't know what was going on and I didn't like it. See, I I like my identity that I've built. I like who I have said that my name stands for and who I say that Trevor is. And because of that, now someone else else out there is saying that now they're Trevor. And I felt like my identity was kind of just muddied. And so today I want to talk to you really about this idea of what is your identity And we're going to go through a book of Daniel over the next several weeks. Pastor Blake's going to take over next week. And if you're a first-time guest today, you got to come back and hear Pastor Blake next week. He's incredible. He's a gifted communicator. Don't judge everything you hear today, good or bad, on the guest speaker that's brought in. you got to come back and hear the actual pastor. It's not fair to the church if that happens. But so... Over the next several weeks, you're going to be in the book of Daniel. So if you've got your Bible, you've got your smartphone, you can go ahead and turn. We're going to spend our time today in Daniel chapter 1. And so if you've got a smartphone or a way, I'm going to be reading out of the NIV. If you want to follow along in the same version, I'm going to be reading. But if you're following along in another version, that's okay. A lot of them are similar enough that you can follow along. But every one of our scriptures today will be on the screen. So the book of Daniel, it picks up in Daniel chapter 1 with the story of Daniel being in Jerusalem and being seized by King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar sends his troops. They, they take over Israel. They, t- they, they attack and they win the battle. And so this is what's taking place right here at the beginning. And so it all starts with Daniel and several other people being taken out of Jerusalem. And now they have to go and they have to serve in King Nebuchadnezzar's palace as servants, but really as slaves. They're now slaves to the Babylonians. And so this is where the story kind of picks up. And so here's what it says in Daniel chapter 1, verse 6. It says, among those who were chosen were some from Judah. It was Daniel... It was Hananiah, it was Mishael, and it was Azariah. And so this is what's taking place right here at the beginning. They go in, they take over, and now they're taking out. And so some of the men that they take, they're they're the young, they're the strong, they're the wise, they're the handsome guys that they're going to bring back to serve King Nebuchadnezzar. And so today, if that was taking place, like it would have been like they would have gone and gotten me and Pastor Blake. It's the smart, good-looking guys. Like that's who they're going to take. And they're going. There's like three people that agree with me: that me, Pastor Blake, and my wife. Like she's like, that's true. And so, but that's what's happening here. So they go, they get them, they bring them back, and now they're serving there as as servants, as slaves to King Nebuchadnezzar. And so this is the introduction of Daniel's life. He and his three friends, that's what I'm going to refer to them as, Daniel and his three friends, they've, they've had their entire life turned upside down. Everything that they know, everything that they've been about and been for their whole life is now gone. We don't really know what happened to all of their families. Like, are they still alive somewhere? Are they also slaves or did they get killed? Like, we don't really know. Like, there's a whole lot going on here. But imagine how much your life would be flipped upside down if you had this moment of your life where you've now been ripped out of everything that you know and you've taken to this new place and you would feel like your entire identity 
has been stolen from you. And so that's what kind of happens next. The next thing that takes place is they actually, as soon as they get there, the first thing that they're going to do is they're going to change their names. Now, Daniel's not choosing to change his name, but when he shows up, the rulers, the leaders are going to change their names for them. And so you have these people who their names have been so important to them and because of the meaning of their name, and now they're going to have that changed and it's going to really kind of throw everything off. So Daniel, his name meant, in a minute I'm going to throw all these up, but not yet. But in a minute, I'm going to show you. But it says, Daniel's name meant God is my judge. Hananiah's name meant Yahweh has been gracious. Mishael's name meant who can compare to my God? No one. And Azariah's name meant Yahweh has helped. And so today in our current culture, the meaning of names isn't as important as it was in biblical times. So here for these men, their name was important, but almost even more important than their actual name was the meaning of their name. Their name had purpose, their name had value. So like my name is Trevor. I have no idea what my name means. Like I, I, some people know, if you know, like that's incredible. And some people like you were named what you were named because your parents loved the meaning of that name. And so your name has like value to you. It has importance to you because you're called what you're called because of the meaning of that name. And so that's what's taking place here. Like Daniel, he likes his name probably, but the most important thing to Daniel is what the meaning of his name is. And so if you're a junior or a third, or if you were named after your grandmother, or you know that there's significance, that your parents named you what they, they named you because of the meaning of that name, then there's a ton of connection to the name that you have. And so that's what's taking place here. They've got so many ties to what their names are because of the meaning of their name. And so today, I want to talk to each of us, not about necessarily the meaning of our name, as in, my name's Trevor, this is what it means, but I want to talk to us about what our identity is. What is our identity who are we? What, is, what, what do we stand for? Who are you? What do you, what do you, what do you want to be known for? So today, to kick off our series, we're going to talk about identity. And so there's three questions that I'm going to ask today for all of us to reflect upon connected to our identity. And the first question that I'm going to ask is, where am I? Where am I? Now, you're probably thinking, like, why did uh, Pastor Blake bring this guest speaker in to ask me where I am when he knows I'm sitting in the Sanctuary of Christ Walk? Like, this guy's crazy, right? I'm not talking about, like, your physical location right now. If you're watching online, I'm not talking about, like, where are you? Like, I'm in my living room. And so, like, I'm not referring to that. I'm referring more to where are you spiritually? Where are you in your walk with God? Where are you in your marriage? Where are you in your relationship with your kids? Where are you as an employee or as a boss? Where are you as a neighbor or as a friend? Where are you as a volunteer at Christ Walk? Where are you in your life? There's a story in the Old Testament about King David. And there's a whole bunch of incredible different stories that take place in the life of David. But with one of those stories, there's a moment that he has a lapse in judgment, and he's supposed to be out at battle with his men. He's supposed to be leading them. He's the king of the nation, and the king of the nation goes out and leads the men into battle. And David decided he wasn't going to go where he was supposed to be, and instead he was going to stay behind, and he was going to get himself into a sticky situation. He was going to get himself into trouble because he sees this woman bathing and thinks she's beautiful and has her brought to him, and she ends up pregnant. And then to try to cover it all up, he tries to bring her husband Uriah home, but then Uriah won't go home to his wife because 
because he's honoring and serving the king. And so they send him back, and David has Uriah murdered to cover it all up. And then the child's born, and then the child dies, and all because of a moment where David was not where he was supposed to be. He was supposed to be at battle with his men, yet he's not. And so I ask you the question today, where are you? In your marriage, are you where you're supposed to be? Are you doing what you're supposed to be doing? As a parent, are you present? Like, it's so easy sometimes. I've got a four-month-old daughter. It's my first kid, so I don't know anything yet. Like, I just don't even know how to sleep right now sometimes. Like, we're just trying to figure it all out. YouTube videos, even for babies, like, they exist. Like, how do you do this? Everybody has an opinion, and some people put their opinion on social media. And so you're learning all kinds of stuff. So I don't really know, but like, as a parent, where are you? Are you present? Where every time you get in the car, do you put AirPods in and put them, you have the AirPod Pros and you put them into like tune out everything around you mode and you don't even hear your kids in the back seat? Or are you talking to them? Are you engaging with them? Where are you? So Daniel, we're gonna come back in a moment and read Daniel chapter one, verse seven, but I wanna skip ahead and read verse eight and 10. It says this, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Now, God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel, but when the official told Daniel, I am afraid of my Lord, the king, who has assigned your food and drink, why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. So let me explain what's going on here. So David was a Jew. I'm sorry, not David. Daniel was a Jew. And so Daniel had to live by the Old Testament law that God had put in place for the Jewish people. And a lot of that law consists of what they should and should not eat. And so now he's been taken to this new place and the king is wanting them to eat the food that they have put out on the king's table for these men to eat. And Daniel has this moment where he has to decide, what am I going to do and where am I going to be? Am I going to be over here eating at the king's table and eating the things that I shouldn't be eating? Or am I going to stay here and stand for what God has called me to stand for and not eat what they want me to eat? And think about the boldness that actually takes place here. Like you've got a slave that walks up to this official and says, hey, I'm sorry, but can you go fix me a special dinner? Like that takes a lot of boldness. For most of us in the room, if you go to a steakhouse and you order your steak medium rare and they come out and it's medium well, like you don't even send it back. You're like, it'll be fine. Don't worry about it. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. If I send it back, they may spit on it, like whatever it may be. And so, like, you're not even confrontational enough to send it back when they messed up. But imagine what he's doing here, the boldness that it actually takes to stand up and say, hey, I know I'm just a slave. You could have me killed for even asking this question, but I have to do what God called me to. This is who I am. This is where I'm at. I'm going to put a stake in the ground and say, this is something that I value. I can't go over there and eat that. So you have two different situations. You had David, who was not where he was supposed to be. And you have Daniel, who said, I can't go over there. God's called me to this, and I have to obey, and I have to listen to, and I have to continue to serve God and live for God the way he's called me. And so I can't go over there and eat that. And so if you kill me, you kill me. If I starve to death, I starve to death. But this is what God has called me. And so I pose the question to you, where are you? In your walk with God, where are you? In your relationship 
with the heavenly father that sent his son to die on a cross for you, where are you? Are you stagnant? Is it a one-way relationship? Do you talk to him? Do you know where your Bible is? Like maybe today is like a day where you actually like just download the Bible app on your phone because you haven't picked up your Bible and knocked off the dust in a long time. So I ask you the question today, where are you in your relationship with God? The second question about our identity. So the first is, where am I? It's important for us to know where we are with God and that, in, that entail connects to our identity. And the second is, who am I? Who am I? So my name is Trevor Hyman. That's who I am. But there's so much more to who I am than just a name, right? There's, there's identity connected to that. There's, there's relationship connected to that. There's thought connected to that. There's opinion connected to that. To some people, they've got opinions of who I am that I don't necessarily like or agree with, right? Like there's some people that like they don't like you and so they let you know they don't like you and to them like you're not a nice person or to you they're not a nice person. And so today let's look at Daniel chapter 1 verse 7. It says the chief official gave them new names. To Daniel the name Belshazzar, to Hananiah Shadrach, to Mishael Meshach, and to Azariah Abednego. If you've heard of the name Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, yes that is the same three guys. So you got these four people, you have Daniel, you have Shadrach, you have Shemeshach, and you have Abednego. So they show up, we've already talked about their names and the meaning of their names and how they have value in the meanings of their names. And the very first thing that's going to happen is they're going to be told, hey, you got to change your name, you're going to be called this from now on, and then you got to start eating this, and you got to change this, and you got to do this, because they want to really break them down, and they want to change who they are, and they want to get rid of the identity that they've had. When the Jewish people were taken into captivity by the Germans during World War II, and they were taken to concentration camps, they were stripped of their name and they were given a number. This was done for two primary reasons. The first being that it was logistically easier to keep up with who was coming in and who was dying when they could just file away numbers. And the second reason was to strip the individual of any humanity, to remove, to remove them from who they were and to psychologically break them down to thinking that they are a person who does not matter. They're just a number. So that's what took place there. But if you really look at what's taking place in Daniel's life here, they're doing the same thing. He's got this identity. He knows who he is. And they're trying to bring him in and they're breaking him down by changing his name and getting rid of who he's always been. And then they're really wanting to challenge him and like, hey, you got to get rid of these rules and these laws that you're living for God for because they want him to compromise. They want him to get rid of everything that he stood for and be this different person and be this new person and be this new thing. And man, doesn't that sound like a lot of what we're dealing with right now? Like, if you really think about it, like, we all have a common enemy, and that enemy wants to kill us, that enemy wants to destroy us, and that enemy wants to steal from us. And I believe there's a whole bunch of things that we're facing as a nation, as a world, and there's all kinds of different things that are happening, and the politics of it all, and all the other stuff going on that you could see on the news. And I'm not going to jump up on a political soapbox here, but... But I believe one of the greatest things that each and every one of us are facing right now is the, is the crisis around identity of who I am and who I'm supposed to be and what they tell me I'm supposed to be and what they tell me I'm not supposed to be. 
And think about like, man, I can't even imagine being a child or a kid right now and all of the stuff that's being thrown in front of them and all of the stuff that they're having to figure out and all of the stuff that they're having to decide, like those poor kids that are next door, thank God they're here. Thank you, parents, for bringing them here so they can learn about Jesus and they can set their identity and be founded in who he is so that they don't go out in this world and compromise at all. Because someone's telling them that they should label themselves as this, or they should be this, or they should not be anything. Because it's all about trying to break down right now who I am. And if I want to live an uncompromised life, and I want to live to be what God's called me to be, I believe so much of that starts with my identity. Who am I? Am I confused? and lost, and unknowing where I'm going, or am I a son of the king? Am I redeemed? Am I restored? Am I made whole? Am I chosen? Am I loved? Am I cared for? Am I a daughter of the most high? Like, who are you? Because I believe that if we can't answer the question who we are, then the enemy is going to continue to drive that wedge into our society and into our culture, and eventually into our families that we don't know who we are. And so I ask you the question today, who are you? Daniel, they bring him in. They want to make him give up everything and want him to compromise in every way. But he doesn't. And they change his name, and there's not a whole lot he can do about that. But he knows who his identity is to his core. If you couldn't tell someone your name and they asked who you are, what would you say? Read that again. If you couldn't tell someone your name and they asked who you are, what would you say? If you walked up to me in the lobby out there and you said, and we always do it, right? I mean, I did it this morning with a bunch of you. Hey, my name's Trevor. Like, you just introduce yourself as your name. But what would you say if you couldn't introduce yourself and could never use your name again? I'd say, hey, I'm a husband and I'm a dad. Hey, I'm a pastor. Hey, I'm a follower of Jesus. Hey, I'm a guy who loves sports. Hey, I'm a guy who's really upset. I live in just north of Atlanta. I'm really upset that Acuna got hurt. Like, hey, I'm this. Hey, I'm a fun person. Hey, I love to enjoy life. Hey, I love to watch Netflix. Like, how would we introduce ourselves if we couldn't use our name? Who are you? I think, I think if we want to figure out how to always be taking next steps forward with our walk with God, I think we've got to be so solid in our identity and that our identity is found in him, that nothing else matters. So the first thing, if we're going to live uncompromised lives, is that we have to know where we are. Second thing is, is we have to know who we are. And then the third and the final thing is we have to know whose we are. Whose am I? Whose are you? Let me talk to two different groups of people for a minute. I recognize in a room this size that that there may be some of you in the room that you are not a follower of Jesus. And if you are in that group and you've never entered into a relationship with Jesus, I want to say more than to anyone else in this room, thank you for being here today. Like that is one of the boldest and the bravest things you could have done to come into a room where you know you're gonna hear about Jesus. And so thanks for coming and checking us out. 
Thanks for coming and giving Pastor Blake and this team an opportunity to love you and to care for you and to have a relationship with you. And we say this all the time at my church, and I believe it to be true here as well. But, like, they love you. They just love you too much to let you stay where you're at. Like, they're going to love you exactly where you are, but they're just going to love you too much to let you stay there. And so if you're a Christian in the room, man, come back. Keep figuring this thing out. Today, in just a moment, we're going to give you an opportunity, and I'm going to talk about that in just a second, for you to enter into a relationship with Jesus today. We're going to get that opportunity for you in just a moment. But whether you choose that today or not, man, thank you for being here and keep coming. Keep searching. Keep figuring it out if a relationship with God is for you or not. It's the greatest decision you could ever make. But thanks for being here. Now let me talk to the people that, yes, I'm a Christian. I I believe in Jesus. Like, God is my life. Let me ask you a question. And this may sting a little bit. This is one of those... I get to leave and I don't have to to deal with the fallout of me saying this statement. That just made Pastor Bake sweat a little bit. Imagine you got a shot and your arm's sore. I'm just going to walk up and I'm going to push into. You know how that hurts real bad when someone pushes into that bruise? I'm going to push into the bruise a little bit here. If you say, yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus, I know whose I am. Let me ask this question. If you know whose you are, do the people around you know whose you are? Do you live that out? If that's truly your identity, do your coworkers know it? Students in the room, do your peers at school, do the people you play ball with, do they know it? Parents in the room, when you're at that sporting event, do the other parents you're sitting in the bleachers with know it? Sometimes after Saturday, we got to get resaved again when we leave because that umpire was terrible, right? If we know whose we are, and that's our identity, do those around us also know? Hey, my identity's not Trevor. My identity's saved. My identity's restored. My identity's loved. My identity's cared for. My identity is eternity with God. But do the people around you know that? If you're going to live an uncompromised life, there's three things. Where are you? Who are you? And whose are you? Throw up that graphic. Oh, guys, this is, this is powerful. So the Hebrew name, the Babylonian name, and then the shift that takes place, okay? So you had Daniel. His name was God is my judge. That's what it meant. You had Hananiah. His name was God has been gracious. Michelle, who can compare to my God? No one. And Azariah, Yahweh has been helped. Look at the names that they gave them when they got there. From Daniel to Belshazzar, God is my judge, to lady, protect the king. Look at the shift. It was from male to female. Focus on God to focus on man. All powerful God to God king who needs protected. God has been gracious to I am fearful of God. Gracious, loving God to tyrannical God who to be feared. Focus on God to focus on self. I am despised contemptible and humiliated. Focus on God, focus on self. Transitioning from confidence to cowardice and then the servant of Nebo, son of God, to slave of man. Look at the shifts that take place. Man, that was thousands of years ago, but can't we just all admit for a second that these are the same things that the enemy are throwing at so many of us today, right? 
I mean, it's from confidence to being terrified. Even male to female, like there's so many things like all-powerful God, the God king who needs protected. Like focus on God, to focus on self. These are the same issues that are happening in our country, in our world today of the identity crisis of our youth and of our kids and of our peers and of our friends and of our coworkers. That's what the enemy wants all of us to have to deal with. For these four, they were given these names. I mean, they tried to change even the gender connection of Daniel's name. Because the enemy wants to confuse who we are. But Daniel chose, and Pastor Blake's going to get into some of the incredible aspects of Daniel over the next couple of weeks. I can't wait to listen to the podcast. But Daniel chose to not go over and eat because he knew where he needed to be. And he chose, even if they're going to change my name, who I am is never changing. And then he said, I know whose I am. I am God's. And so today, as we go to close in just a few moments, there's two things I want to do. The first is if you're in the room and you have never accepted Christ to be the Lord and the Savior of your life, we would love to give you the opportunity to do so today. And so today, if that's you, with every head bowed real quick and every eye closed, I'd love for you to just slide your hand up and say, hey, that's me. I'd love... I'd love to enter into a relationship with Jesus. And then if everybody would, open your eyes. And I just want us to pray this prayer together. It's the ABCs of salvation. It's you're going to admit that I'm a sinner, and then it's going to, I believe that Jesus, and then I choose to follow Jesus. And so I just want all of us to pray this. And whether you raise your hand or not, if you mean it from your heart, God hears it from his heart. And so let's just pray this together. Everybody out loud. Heavenly Father, I admit that I am a sinner and that I am lost without you. I believe Jesus died in my place, making a way for us to choose to have a relationship. I choose to follow Jesus and his way for the rest of my life. And everybody said, amen. Hey, if that was you today, if you prayed that prayer, I want you to know that scripture tells us that all of heaven celebrates. And so there's a party going on in heaven if you chose to enter into a relationship with Jesus today. The second thing that I want us to do before the worship team leads us into a time worship. When you came in, there were two cards on your, on your chair. I want you to take those two cards. You should have a pen. And so in a moment, as they lead us in worship together, I want you to take a moment and I want you to reflect. Who are you? And so here's what I want you to do. On the first card, in just a moment, I want you to write, what is the, the label that the enemy has been throwing at you for a really long time? Or maybe it's new, but what is the label? Like, is it abandoned? Is it unloved? Is it alone? Is it jerk? Is it, what is it? What is the thing that the enemy has tried to convince you that this is who you are? Confused, angry, mean, unforgivable, divorced, barren, Like, what is the label that the enemy wants you to know? Like, this is who you are. You can't ever be anything else. And I want you to write it on that card. And then on the second one, I want you, even if you have to dig deep to come up with something, I want you to write down something that this is who God says I am. 
For some of us, maybe that's, maybe that's easy. Like I'm loved, I'm forgiven, I'm restored, I'm redeemed, I'm made whole, I'm a daughter of the King, I'm a son of God. Like maybe it's easy. Maybe for some of you, like you are just struggling and mentally right now, you feel like the enemy is winning. And so dig deep, but find something. And then here's what I want you to do. I'm gonna do it too. I want you to wear it out of here today. This is who I am. It's not your name. Your name's awesome. I'm glad you have a name. It'd be weird if none of us had names. But I want you to wear it out and say, this is who I am. And here's what I want you to do with that other one. You got a couple of options. You can throw it away when you walk out. That's awesome. Don't keep it though, because that's not who you are. If the enemy's been convincing you of that, today's the day you say no more. I'm getting rid of it. And so you can throw it away, but here's what I'd love for you to do. I want you to give it to somebody, not just a random person. Give it to your life group leader. Give it to a spouse, maybe. Give it to a friend. Give it to somebody on your serving team. Give it to somebody that you can say, hey, this is who I've been struggling from being. And I want you to take this and I want you to pray for me every single day that God can help me defeat defeat what the enemy's been throwing at me. Because here's the reality, church. If we learned anything in 2020, it's that we can watch church online, but we lost the community, right? Church is about community. If you look at the early church, the model that they set up in Acts even was that they gathered together in homes and they broke bread. They did life group. Like, I hate to burst your bubble. Pastor Blake didn't invent life groups. Like that was thousands of years ago they were doing that. Do community together and not just surface level. Go deep and walk up to somebody that's in your small group and say, hey, I don't know that I've ever told anybody this, but this is what I struggle with. I struggle feeling unloved. I need you to pray that I can feel loved. Hey, I wanna join your life group because I'm so alone. I need someone to love me. I need relationship. I need a group of people that can gather around me and lift my arms up and hold me and laugh with me and cry with me. So two name tags. Who's the enemy trying to convince you that you are, that's your identity, that you're saying, I'm not gonna compromise anymore. I'm done with that. And who are you? Can I pray real quick? God, we love you. God, we thank you so much for who you are. And God, I pray right now for every single one of us in the room, because God, there's not a person that's alone and the enemy would want us to be convinced right now that we're the only one who has struggles. And so God, I pray right now that every person in here would recognize that every other person in here has something they can write on that card that this is who the enemy's trying to convince me that I am. But God, I pray that every one of us would live uncompromised lives, that we would say no more, that I know where I need to be and I'm gonna be there. I know who I am because it's God who God wants me to be and has called me to be. And I know whose I am. God, let us have boldness and courage to write it down and say, God, in the name of Jesus, I believe that you are stronger than what the enemy has convinced me I am. Let our identities be changed today, God, and let us be uncompromised. In your name I pray, amen. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Christ Walk Church podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. 
To find out more information about Christ Walk Church, including our service times, how to connect with us on social media, and the ministry opportunities we have for you and your family, simply visit our website at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget, because of Jesus, the best is yet to come.